Welcome to Weber Wenzel Legal Insights. With over 150 years of experience and deep industry knowledge, Weber Wenzel is the leading full-service law firm on the African continent. Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode in Weber Wenzel's Business and Human Rights podcast series. I am Pooja Delacron and I'm a partner in the dispute resolution team with a special interest in human rights, both domestically and internationally. Human Rights Month is observed in March each year. This year, the commemorative theme for Human Rights Month is consolidating and sustaining human rights culture into the future. And that is a wonderful theme for various reasons. As South Africans, we know that our constitution is one of the most progressive in the world. It is the ultimate protector of our human rights, which include cornerstone rights and values such as human dignity, equality, and freedom. With the world's focus on a sustainable future, ESG, and creating a world for future generations, the focus on human rights has expanded somewhat. Ordinarily, we as South Africans and people the world over conceive the duty to respect, protect, promote, and fulfill human rights as one falling squarely on the shoulders of the state. Now, as a result of developments internationally, there is a direct focus on the role that business plays in respecting human rights, particularly in jurisdictions in which they operate. I'm here with Paula Ann Novotny. Paula is a senior associate at Weber Wenzel and forms an integral part of our environmental and ESG team. Paula, what is business and human rights and why is this something that we as lawyers and our business sector clients need to sit up and pay attention to? Hi, Pooja. Well, business and human rights can best be understood as a tangible relationship between the commercial operations of corporate entities and the human rights of their stakeholders. And this is both inward and outward looking. And so it's no longer an abstract responsibility or general concern, and it rather embodies the need for businesses to actually take action in respecting human rights, particularly where their business activities or their business relationships might cause or be associated with adverse impacts to human rights. So in the bigger scheme of things, business and human rights, or BHR as we often call it in short term, is recognized as a relationship which needs to be proactively maintained and on an ongoing basis. And what this means for business is that it actually isn't enough to just make sure that your operations are not in conflict with the international human rights law which binds them, but you're actually required as a corporate entity to actively foster a close alignment with the values of human rights culture and to constantly revisit this as the con context of your operational landscape changes. And this involves taking an actual ownership of the need to respect human rights. It requires making a commitment to this endeavor, and it needs you actually taking steps to combat negative human rights impacts within your sector and your broader value chain by implementing a host of corporate and commercial controls and frameworks. And so the importance of being an active participant in the promotion of human rights culture is ever increasing. Though we understand that the management of human rights impacts has largely been framed over the recent years by soft law and voluntary international frameworks, our understanding in the global sphere of ESG or environmental, social and governance practices and what they mean for the new age corporate entity has seen BHR rise up the corporate agenda. This has come with 
moves for this for BHR to actually make its way into hard law in certain jurisdictions and it's therefore raised the stakes of good corporate citizenship. This obviously then comes with commercial reputational and legal consequences and implications for business conduct. From a practical perspective, some of the controls or key frameworks that guide corporate strategy and planning on BHR matters are human rights due diligence and human rights impact assessments. Thanks, Paula. And we will certainly unpack the intricacies of human rights due diligences and impact assessments later on in the series. But for now, talk me through the link between ESG and business and human rights. Sure. While BHR is strongly linked to this fast evolving concept of ESG as we understand it today, it's far more than just a component piece of ESG. Nevertheless, it's important for us to understand ESG as well, because its growing importance in the business sector is a strong driver for the increasing stakeholder focus on BHR matters. So ESG as a concept is a management framework or an approach which needs to be integrated into a business's overall operations strategy. And this means that it essentially envisages the consideration of sustainability-related impacts, risks, and opportunities on the same level as your corporate objections. So in this, concerns around environmental sustainability, for example, are not abstract and separate from normal decision-making processes, but they're actually given real recognition as guiding principles to your operations and decision-making processes. And this increased importance can be chalked up to a variety of different issues. Governance issues, for example, can raise reputational damage, like we saw in the big Steinhoff case. Class action lawsuits can result from, or as a consequence of adverse environmental effects, even from prehistoric or legacy sites and operations. And more critically these days is damage to industry relationships because associating with businesses which themselves engage in unsustainable operational strategies or practices is in and of itself an ESG risk to your business as a result of your association through that relationship. And so the integration of ESG monitoring as this non-financial indicator of performance is quite similar to integrating BHR into business operations. Both represent a values-driven approach and a move away from this conventional business model of it's not just about profit molds of thinking, but it's much more nuanced and much more valuable than that. These concepts are not viewed as separate concerns that should be used to moderate or justify aggressive business strategies. Instead, they're meant to be inseparable and pursued in tandem with your commercial goals. And so the key driver of this move towards appreciating BHR within the context of business operations is that understanding and addressing BHR and ESG risks, as well as the opportunities in and from your business, will support the creation of a business which will be sustainable, it will be resilient in the future, and it will create long-term shared value for your very broad base of stakeholders outside of only your shareholders. And this means that all facets of the business now have to be reconciled or harmonious with ESG and BHR on a constant but also ongoing basis. To give another practical example of how the strategic integration might work in practice, is Volkswagen's recent announcement of its plans to invest directly in the mines that source the raw materials for the battery cells that they use in their electric vehicles. So Volkswagen's intentions are not only to try and bring down the cost of, as well as meet the increasing demand for battery cells, but also to ensure greater control over those parts of the supply chain that have traditionally been left to third parties. So as you can see, Businesses are incorporating as a priority human rights into their business and operational models. 
But with all of this in mind and all this theory and practical understanding, you might still be wondering how exactly a business is meant to do this and where do you even start to formulate models that you can approach through a human rights focus. And Poja, maybe you can guide us through it, but in our experience in this space, it's by no means a stab in the dark. There are vast amounts of guiding principles and frameworks out there in the market which can assist and do assist businesses in understanding what their roles are and respecting human rights. Paula, absolutely. And it really is essential in understanding business and human rights to understand the source and value of human rights that it champions. Now, the internationally recognized human rights are those set out, for example, in the International Bill of Rights, um, which comprises the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights, international covenants such as those on civil and political rights, and on economic, social, and cultural rights. Then at a more regional level, we have instruments such as the African Charter on Human and People's Rights, and the International Labour Organization's Declaration on Fundamental Principles and Rights at Work, and this is to, to name a few. Now, like our own constitution, these instruments view human rights as a lot more than just words on paper. Instead, they are tangible promises aimed at sculpting real, visible outcomes and progressively strengthening the quality of life for citizens. Most importantly, then, we have the United Nations Guiding Principle on Business and Human Rights as of 2011, or the UNGPs, as they've come to be called. And it's an incredibly important instrument because the UNGPs are the first global standard for preventing and addressing the risk of adverse impacts on human rights, which are linked to business activity. And the internationally accepted framework for enhancing standards and practice regarding business and human rights. So the international human rights instruments mentioned earlier are read together with the UNGPs to provide an overarching framework for business and human rights. Now, just to drill down a little bit, the UNGPs recognize that states individually are the primary duty bearers under international human rights law. And collectively, they are the trustees of the international human rights regime. Now, what this means is that in the first instance, states must respect, protect, promote, and fulfill human rights and fundamental freedoms. But the UNGPs also go a bit further. They also provide that the responsibility to respect human rights is a global standard of expected conduct for all business enterprises wherever they operate. So this responsibility exists independently of states' abilities and or willingness to fulfill their own human rights obligations. And it does not diminish those obligations. It exists over and above compliance with national laws and regulations which seek to protect human rights. So in other words, the UNGPs also impose a responsibility on corporates and business enterprises to respect human rights. And this responsibility to respect human rights requires that businesses, firstly, avoid causing or contributing to adverse human rights impacts through their own activities and address such impacts when they do occur. And secondly, to seek to prevent or mitigate adverse human rights impacts that are directly linked to their operations, products or services by their business relationships, even if they themselves have not contributed to those impacts. Now, in order to identify, prevent and mitigate and account for how they address their adverse human rights impacts, Principle 17, for example, of the UNGPs provide that business enterprises should carry out this thing called a human rights due diligence. 
Now, a human rights due diligence is a complex thing, but at its highest level, it comprises four steps. The first is assessing actual and potential human rights impacts. The second is integrating and acting on the findings. The third is tracking responses. And finally, the fourth being communicating to affected stakeholders and the public about how any impacts are being or will be addressed. A human rights due diligence is, however, an ongoing risk management process, and it must be tailored to each organization and the specifics of a business enterprise. And as the series develops, Paula, we will unpack each of the stages of a human rights due diligence in the context of our experiences um, and that we've had in this space. But to sum up, ultimately, businesses need to embrace this new understanding that the human rights framework is not something to be considered in their operations, but rather their operations in their entirety need to be located within the human rights framework. Um, and that shift in mindset is important. The values of human rights culture must come to permeate every facet of the business's identity. And this can then be achieved through robust and proactive strategic ESG and business and human rights related plans, policies um, and controls. And that makes complete sense, Poja, I think, given the direction that the world is heading in when it comes to ESG and VHR and this new contextualized, holistic, converging risk model that we're seeing. So as a teaser for our next episode in the series, Poja, perhaps you can take us through some of the trends you and I have noticed in this space of VHR in our recent work. Sure. And so what we've seen in this uh, space is that it is becoming increasingly prevalent for financial institutions, for example, and large scale investors to require human rights due diligence from entities before forging any commercial relationships with them. And unlike an ordinary corporate due diligence, this is an ongoing exercise, which is not only a prerequisite to start the relationship, but will continuously underscore the maintenance of that relationship going forward. And in this way, it requires an ever-evolving strategy of oversight and actively implemented governance frameworks and controls that reflect the value of human rights. Now, this scrutiny is often more stringent in countries regarded as being high risk and those which have reported significant incidences of human rights violations. Now, Paula, you'll remember that most recently, we've advised companies in the DRC in developing and implementing a business human rights strategy to satisfy requirements imposed by its investors in funding agreements, for example. Now, this will be a long-term task and that will require continuous monitoring. And as this requires a contextualized understanding and assessment of the company's operations and relationships in the DRC, given the widely reported devastating impacts on human rights in the DRC, such as artisanal mining, um, modern slavery and child trafficking. These are very important conversations to be having at a company level, at a project level and at a country level. Uh, so very interesting space to be in. 100% echo that, Pooja. Thanks. And we hope everyone found this chat to be engaging and are excited for what's to come and fully understanding what our corporate responsibilities are in the BHR space. And so we look forward to having you all tune in for our next episode where we're aiming to unpack some more of our learnings around human rights due diligence, specifically human rights impacts as a subset of human rights due diligence, as well as the more of these trends that are developing from our experience in this area. So thank you all for joining us today. You have been listening to Weber Wenzel Legal Insights. You can find and subscribe to the podcast on all major platforms. For more expert legal insights and updates, 
visit WeberWenzel.com.